Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Yes, you're very welcome along to the Huddle Breakdown, episode 73. The what? first time that I've actually <laughs> looked at the amount of episodes that we've recorded, because as I said on the Twitter feed last night, this is the first episode of the Huddle Breakdown that Celtic are top of the league. A phenomenal stat when you actually think about the, the amount of stats that are on the show. I think that might just be my favorite. Alan, James, how happy have you been the last time for I'm, I'm, I've been I'm, ecstatic. I'm shocked, Enda, to hear this all because I took you as kind of a traditionalist, more of a missionary guy who would be on top all the time. And uh, for you, for this to be the first time you've been on top, that that's this, this is amazing. It's it's remarkable. Congratulations. It's, it feels brilliant. It feels excellent to, to break free of the monotony of being on bottom. I, I, now, I'm, I'm really happy, Ender, that you're just ignoring him and plowing on. <laughs> fair, fair, fair play to you. <laughs> Listen, guys, we were talking off air briefly before we started. This feels different to most of the Derby wins that have happened over the last couple of weeks. If you think of the journey it took to get here, to get to top of the league at this point in time, it's been a long time coming. But and I'm going to put this to you, Alan, at the start. This didn't feel like a, a 1-0 win or a, a you know a, a usual derby win where you it's cagey for the first 20 minutes and you just bed into the game and eventually you go on to just be the better team over the course of the 90 minutes. This seemed like a real momentum switch. This seemed officially Celtic are the best team in Scotland and they are the best team by a mile. Yeah, no, I, I think that yeah, we we just chatted about that. Um, because I, you know, before the game, I I tend to get crippled with this thing mentally, where I I I can genuinely see all sides of every argument, and I can always come up with ten reasons why we're going to win and ten reasons why we're going to lose, and all this sort of thing. And you know, being honest, I expected it, you know, I thought we could win. I thought you know, because underlying performance stats suggest Celtic are the better team, right? Very clearly, and have done all season actually. Okay, um. But uh, having said all that, we've got so much risk and variance surrounding the whole environment of the squad, the players that are available, not available, injured, not injured, time at the time that some of the players have had in the team and all those things that we've talked about. So it just felt like if we could get a win, any win, that would be great. Even a draw wouldn't be a disaster. And then, as I say, the season will grind on and towards some inexorable kind of, you know, Denouement in the last few games of the season, it's going to be really, really tight. It just feels like that may not be the case. It just feels like there was there was a gulf, an absolute chasm between the teams uh, last night. Uh, and and I'm and I'm going to touch on that in relation to both halves, not just the first half. An absolute chasm, uh, really. And, and I don't want to get ahead of myself because you know we, that's not what we tend to do. We do treat treat the stats on their merits and every game. You're entitled, Alan. Get ahead and so of yourself. But 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 yeah, I, I, listen. I'll say this right, and, and I'm going to regret it. I know. <laughs> if we if we're four points clear or something, like, if we if we if we go like more than a win clear after the weekend of Hearts take something that game, I'm going to call it. I'm saying that now. Interesting. 
That's the earliest I've heard you call anything uh, over the course of the 73 episodes. probably the last time. I should, <laughs> I should actually ask you before we move on to the, the finer details and I get James in, uh, how was Southwark Park? You were up at the game. I forgot to ask you that. Yeah, and thanks to... The, the wouldn't know it by the raspy voice, Alan. Yeah, no, I'm a bit, a bit hoarse. <laughs> the lad who knows, knows who he is, has sorted me out. Um, very kind. Um, and, um, yeah, the, I mean, the... the, the the way that the the lighting show and all that, and we make, make fun about the disco lights and what have you. The players were all on the pitch when yeah, you know, you'll never walk alone came on, and the and you know the green light went on the huddle, and it and it honestly will live with me forever. It was absolutely sensational um, that that moment, and 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 you know metaphorically, <laughs> as well as physically, the opposition were stood in the dark, as as you'll never walk alone reverberated around. And, and the and the green lights were on the Celtic huddle and the roar and the noise and it was just fantastic and you can't I can't believe that that wouldn't have had a negative impact on their confidence before the game even started it was it was stunning it was absolutely stunning in that regard and then yeah the noise just didn't let up and and you know the, just the singing and every song was a was a good old Celtic uh, positive song you know celebrating the team as it should be yeah. Yeah, it definitely came across that way. There were times where I was cursing the Sky Sports coverage to shut up at the start of the game so you could actually soak in the atmosphere as opposed to hearing uh, the two lads uh, talk about the team news. But, uh, James, and this is an important point, this is a midweek game. It's in uh, 7.30 p.m. in British time, obviously not the same with you, but this was in front of the world. This was uh, all eyes on the Glasgow Derby. There's no Premier League this week. Everybody who's a football fan was watching this game. And I've seen people who have previously taken the piss out of me for Scottish football and, you know, throwing the usual shtick that you get about Scottish football at me, turn around and say to me, by God, Celtic are a really good football side. Yeah, it was, it was, um, it was class. I mean, that, that, that's, we, we look like a, a, a team that's well-managed, well-coached with players that suit what they're supposed to be doing. I mean, it's everything that we've been talking about for since we started this show <laughs> that we've been hoping to see. Uh, and it's taken us a little while to get there. But, yeah, it was it was really um, just enjoyable from start to finish. Um, the theatrics, I mean, it just goes to show that these should always be at night from a production and from yes. a product perspective. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, I, I'll, I'll add my the opposite of Alan's awesome experience. So in the United States, the coverage is on this network when they when they cover the big games. It's on CBS Sports, which is a nothing network, generally speaking. You know, it's not ESPN or one that a lot even some people have access to. And they had this guy. Uh, he's Scottish. Uh, Ian Joy, name that doesn't ring a bell. Yeah, I don't, I don't even know what his background is, but he was the. The, the studio analyst before the game and it was uh, and they, they didn't even show a good chunk of <laughs> you'll never walk alone it was like you gotta be shitting me you know this whole thing going down that you guys were enjoying in the stadium and i gotta w- watch this douchebag uh <laughs> and they had they had mcgregor in as, as playing a number 10 in the midfield i mean it was just <laughs> and that we were gonna line up with a four two three one, so that gives you know there it can always be worse than Sky Sports. So CPS Sports was even worse than Sky. Yeah, yeah. It, it. I mean, it all depends on your your perspective from watching this game. But I guess we'll we'll, we'll get into the actual game and excitement aside, what actually happened in that in 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 the game. Alan, I presume you haven't. Sat down and, and done your usual stats for this game. I've been on a train. <laughs> yeah. What the hell are you doing on a train? Let's go. Three, three, get that three hours up. from uh, Carlisle to Leeds. It's very pretty, beautiful countryside. But yeah, three hours for, for, for one leg is uh, it's quite excessive. <laughs> yeah. So, James, uh, I'll let you do the heavy lifting when it comes to the stats in this game. Can we yeah. can we start with the uh, can we start with the right wing of of Celtic, the Joseph Juranovic Abada connection with Matt O'Reilly sort of linking up with them as well. I, I mean, for me, this was Juranovic's best game for Celtic. Yeah. I, so I, I did a deep dive this morning. Uh, I actually wrote a second piece. I usually only do one a week, but I wrote a second piece. Uh, so I did a really deep dive into um, stats, bombs, uh, OBV model for the game itself. I don't usually do that with 
granularity. I usually just kind of take a peek and if anything stands out, I uh, do some initial uh, additional diving in. So uh, the easiest way I'll characterize it is that the breadth of performance was was so good, meaning that it it was across the board different players in different components of their performance. So for example, Juranovic, the value, the value that he had defensively was very good. His passing was very good. His dribbling and carrying was very good. He didn't really shoot. So that component wasn't there, but a lot of, there were a number of players with that kind of performance, which to me speaks to the fact of the system being and the fit of the players, like we talked about, or I mentioned at, at, at the start, the irony is because I, I would have intuitively thought of the same coming out of the game again, just being wrapped up in the emotional, the walk away. It was actually the left side that was more um, uh, effective in moving the ball. Um, so I, I think, um, and it, this, this gets, we can get into all of this because I, I I couldn't even believe it when I saw it and I had to go back and watch video clips and, um, you know, because the obvious narrative coming out of the game was how horrific Barisic was. Um, and on second look, I think that was the wrong narrative. <laughs> um, I, I think he had a, he had the obvious horrible, you know, just stand there on the third goal. But outside of that, um, he actually defended Abada one-on-one very well. Uh, and and actually shut him down from getting the ball into dangerous areas one on one. I mean, there were other times when, and again, this goes back to system. This goes back to, um, you know, I, I the way I was trying to think of a way to characterize it. It was like a three headed Frankenstein of Derek McInnes, Livingston, and Stephen Gerrard, right? So they went, they sat deep like Livingston would, but they didn't play zonal. They played man to man like. Uh, McInnes would, uh, but in the shape of Stephen Gerrard's side, like it, I, I it, that's I, I walked away th- and when I relooked at things this morning, it was like, is that really what this guy's style of play is? I don't think it is, but they somehow ended up there with this Frankenstein, and I think that man-to-man weird marking that they were trying to do with our overloads and the movement that we had, and, and, mm. and guy. Uh, I think it's Michael Cox wrote an article about it in the, the athletic today um, about, you know, kind of drawing parallels between an Atalanta and using those wide areas and the overloads and the interchanging in the half space. Uh, and you saw that movement with O'Reilly out wide and then Abada flipping in and Dranovich making those runs through. So you ended up with a lot of two V ones on the out there and, and runs. And again, we had, they played a, a, you know, a left back at, center back Bassey's doesn't have a lot of experience, let alone playing against this level in this facing this kind of system. And that was reflected in his OBV. Like he had one of the worst defensive action OBVs in the game. Um, so I think Barisic has become an obvious whipping boy uh, for the, the big highlight play, which again, uh, old keepers don't get off the line very well. Um, so, but I, you know, so I actually, I think it was the other side of the pitch where they really struggled against us. Our field's mm. d- data was terrible. Uh, he, he did not offer much value at all. Diallo was not good. Um, uh, Tavernier was kind of muted. He, was, he wasn't really good or really bad. He was just kind of there. And, and if you look at the metrics for Jota, uh, Hatate, and, and Starfelt, to his credit, the, the, the passing lanes down that side were just wide open, and we were – breaking them down, breaking them down, breaking them down. And it, it would end up getting back over to the right, but at times, but um, yes, I, I got into that long winded apologies, but that it was so non-intuitive. That, that's, that's, I was, I was blown away when I saw the stuff this morning, cause I came away from the, the game kind of thinking the same thing. Um, I, mean, I mean, watching them, uh, watching it in live, it seemed they were simultaneously quite wide. So they weren't compact. Um, they dropped quite deep and they were very passive. You know I, what I mean? It was just, it was just like, I, what are you it, trying to do? That's and why I called it the yeah, Frankenstein. Yeah, I have no clue yeah, what they were trying to do. Yeah, it made yeah. no sense. At the beginning of the game, before the first goal goes in, it looked almost as if they were happy enough to sit back. But then as the game progressed, it, it was more that they literally just could not get out. 
Like yeah. I, I don't think their plan was to sit back at all. I think their their plan was to to try play some possession football, and they just couldn't keep the ball because uh, famously in the, in the matches the the clip is being shared now across, and Barry Kirby uh, has highlighted in the comments. McGregor literally calls Barisic a shite bag during the game because he has to he forces him back once more to play the ball back to centre back. They just couldn't get out with the press. It was. It was really impressive from from Celtic. When I, when you that, that's why I didn't, I didn't understand. This is where I thought it was. I saw the lineup. Someone had tweeted to me, you know, about my our ratings that we did. You know, whether I was still a seven uh, once we saw the lineups, and I I saw theirs, and it was like I don't get what I don't get it. Like, and then the way they started to play, like if they were going to bunker, like I I think they did. I think because we talked about this on the preview show that they they basically played similar to that against Aberdeen. Right. So they've and, and, you know, looking at some of the Rangers supporters that I interact with on 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 Celtic that are, that are, you know, in fairness, they've been nice to me generally. Um, you know, their view of his style of play since he's come on is more passive, is more like more counterattack focused. And we talked about that on the preview, that that was evident in the data, mm-hmm. as I talked about with stats bomb metrics. And, and so I thought that they would probably play for counterattacking, but not with the level of passivity and then to select our field and roof in that context and play Bassey at center back. If apparently Balogun was available, I, I don't understand. Like it's so mm-hmm. incoherent. I joked. It was like a Neil Francis Lennon school of incoherence when, 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 in, when, in, in shape and tactics and selection. Yeah. I, you know, it made no sense to me. Any and, of- under, and under Gerard, you know, They'd play nominally three three strong across the front, but the two would often be be narrow, and and one of the two might even be like an Aribo who's really strong defensively. So to have two out and out wingers and Diallo and Ken, and to have them wide and high all the time, and and then what was happening was just like you say, there was the overloads. It was three because the the Hatate and O'Reilly pulled really wide, and then Juranovic and Taylor were getting forward, and then obviously you had the Celtic wingers. So you had you always had three. Up against the fullback, and then you had somebody like Diallo or Kent trying to, trying to kind of filter back because they played two in the middle and then a ten, you know. So it, you know, it, it, it just completely outnumbered them in those areas. And I think most of the, most of the chances were, were cross balls into the box. Jakamakis had two or three chances from cross balls. The the goal for Labada came from a cross ball. So yeah, that and, and the other thing that really stuck struck me, um, you know, being able to see it in the flesh. Was just the speed. The speed of the Celtic players was just far, far greater. Um, and, and actually, what you what you learn, you do need to see players in the flesh, absolutely. Uh, and, and, and I never realised how quick Juranovic is. I mean, you know, to see him in the flesh was 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 lovely. Um, just the speed of movement, but his ability, his control, his technical ability at pace, which is great, uh, was fantastic. Um, but yeah, the, the, so Celtic have now got a very quick, agile, mobile team. That, that so we James James talks a lot about athleticism, and maybe there's a tendency for for some people to think athleticism translates into having six foot three guys that are really muscly. Actually, athleticism can be being strong enough, being 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 you know having good good center of gravity, good core strength. Don't have to be a, a massively huge. But you've got great mobility uh, and pace around the pitch, and that 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 type of athleticism Celtic have now got in abundance. Well, yeah, and uh, so let, I'll give you an example of the incoherence. This is just amazing to me. So again, if if they were going to set up that way to play defensive and then play the counter, you would think that they would want the person playing the six to be a ball distributing type of midfielder that can get the ball out. That's not Glenn Camara. That's Ryan Jack. <laughs> That's who we saw. That, and they did alleviate some of that. Now, some of that was game condition and all that, you know, in the second half. We'll talk about the second half when we get there. But the insertion of Balogun and Jack did change the way they were playing to a degree because it was a better – so they made an adjustment that did have some kind of impact. And, again, the, the relative degree is impossible to know and, and, and an area for debate. And this, this is where I think it'll be interesting to what do we draw coming out of this game? How much of this was due to a manager who completely screwed up and got a ton wrong? Um, and how much of it was, uh, you know, inherent superiority? 
uh, relative to talent levels and and uh, that that kind of thing, um, and how much of it can change? You know, how much of it can be? Ch- it, it, are they capable of making the adjustments? That kind of thing. Um, and I, 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 that'll be, it, I, that's all conjecture, right? I and mean, it's all speculation and we can analyze and try to figure it out. But um, to me, that'll be the really interesting thing going forward. Cause I agree with you guys, what you said, that this could be an inflection point um, if it turns into kind of a spiraling thing, right? If confidence mm-hmm. is shaken and pe- when people get reach adversity, we talked about this last season about adversity, you know, that's when you realize what the, what the resilience of an organization or a system is. And well, they've yeah, they've played. Sorry, sorry, James. They've played badly for four games in a row. Okay. Yeah. And and yeah. And, and, and I know and, and you know drop points in three of them. And yeah, I, a I'll take some another. issue with that. So they they yeah. they played not great against Aberdeen. They played fine against Ross County, with the exception of one position. Hmm. Um. So again, if you look at all the XG and stuff, I mean, they basically completely destroyed Ross County, and. You know, McGregor X, just XG, XG was three two. <laughs> uh, no, well, that's not not with stats, but stats bound was a lot higher. And and yeah. Ross County, if you back out the chances that McGregor just basically you know left them laying in front of the goal for them, you know it was it was almost like a two point. No, but you, don't be, you, don't be, you can't have it always, right? You, you know, we spent all bloody seventy two episodes saying. You know, with the structural weaknesses, and you're only as strong as your weakest part, right? Oh, agree. So, so, agree. So, 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 guess what? In in, in the last in yep. the last couple of games, the 40 year old goalkeeper, who by the way was at fault for the second goal, because my buddy that got me the ticket, who used to play goalkeeper, said he's too far off his line, and, that, right. and, Hitati, and that's how Hitati got it past him, right? Yep. Hit right. He, for, that's a 40 year old goalkeeper's failing. The left back who doesn't want to be there. We've talked about this. You know, they're they're in the same spiral we were last season. A reluctance to sell players because they, they, they've gambled on Champions League money over filling the financial black hole, and they've got players that don't want to be there. He doesn't want to be there, and that's what happens when you're under pressure and you're, you, know, you make mistakes and, you're, and your head goes, like, like they did with, for Barisic for that moment. So you can't have it always, right? They're, they're, not winning, they're, they're not winning these games because of exactly the same reason we, we <clears> took Celtic <throat> to task last year, because of these structural issues that haven't been addressed coming, coming to the fore. I, I agree. Gonna, That's why I say I say the question is, what do they do now, right? So the absolutely the risks are there for this to spiral. It's if they make smart decisions from here. It's like the same thing I said. Well, the window's they, closed. Well, <laughs> I, I get that, but they yeah. they do have flexibility within selection. Like I said, yeah. e- even with Celtic in late October when we started the show last well, two years ago now, um, was that we still had levers to pull that could ameliorate the meltdown and if we started making sound smart decisions and stuck with them hmm. then we may be you know but when these spirals start you're absolutely if they start getting out of control absolutely this could could completely melt down i, I don't disagree with that hmm. i'm gonna i'm gonna reel this in and take it back yeah. to the game and take it back to celtic <laughs> because yep. uh kevin kevin 14 is getting into the comments and rightly so saying and you talk me into scales but i'm back to taylor he was top drawer last night so <laughs> Just some top-level stats on Greg Taylor's performance last night. Uh, 11 out of 13 ground duels won, eight tackles, which is the match high, five five interceptions, match high, three clearances, three fouls won. Um, this was a really, really good performance from Greg Taylor. I think we have to give him credit where credit's due here. Yeah, and, and Starfell, and, you know, so with Taylor... He did. He never looked. He never looked uncomfortable. And and I hope this is the making of him because, you know, the criticism. I don't think it was a criticism. It was just an observation, really, about maybe the parameters and limits of his ability. Is that, you know, he's he doesn't tend to fare well in European games and in big big matches like this. He just because he's up against a more athletic, um, better quality of opposition. He's absolutely great to have in the squad to play the vast majority of Scottish clubs, but. You know, so tonight, you last night, he's still a young player, Greg Taylor, in, in relative terms. So that, that this could be the making of him. Um, and obviously, he was up against one of the greatest wonder kids in the world, and uh, you know, he, he did he did fine. He did absolutely fine. Um, no problem at all. He, he didn't contribute a lot in the attacking third, which actually is Greg Taylor's strength in many ways. He's he's actually really good at um, creating chances, um, but just just for sheer defensive play, for keeping shape, for sticking to task yeah he, he was he was fine he was really good I, I don't think there was a bad performance like when I looked no, at no, all the metrics there, no. it was varying degrees of good and this is where I go back to um 
when you see that kind of situation, normally that means that one side got the 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 major stuff right, and the other side didn't. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, Jota so, probably didn't hit a very high benchmark, but we're probably quibbling at this point. <laughs> agreed. Yeah, he he didn't do a lot creatively, but he did a lot with uh, that linking up and and kind yeah. of the ball movement um, on that left side. Yeah. Uh, so agreed. Yeah, his his other metrics were muted for him. Um, and, and that's also why Tavernier's weren't calamitous like the other sides. <laughs> yeah. Great. Cause Tavernier did okay. You know? So I know, I know you're wanting to get into this discussion around the system, James, but just as we move forward in the team, uh, I want to ask about Matt O'Reilly and his contribution to the team. I've never seen it. I don't know. I, I keep saying, seeing these new players like Kyogo and Atate coming into the team and thinking, God, I've never seen a player bet into a team and a system so quickly. And then suddenly Matt O'Reilly comes in and I'm saying the exact same thing about him. If you look at the second goal, which I actually shared on Twitter, about the trigger runs that Celtic have for that goal where uh, Juranovic gives it to Abada, or I can't remember exactly the, the link-up play, but it, it falls and it's, it's certain runs. And, people, and Celtic have been making those runs over the last couple of weeks, Matt O'Reilly seems to just have figured it out instantly and just been the class needed to fulfill the role that he's actually in. I, I genuinely think Tom Roderick struggles to get back into this team over the last couple of performances from, from him. Alan, if you want to take that first. Yeah. I, mean, I, don't, what, I don't want to yap too much. No, no. What, what, what is obvious watching him to me now, you know, when you watch him watching somebody very closely, is his brain just works quicker than everybody else. It's that simple. He sees things more quickly than other people. Um, in, in some ways, he's cursed being in a six-foot-two frame because if he was maybe a few a few centimetres shorter, um, and uh, he, he could he, he would perhaps have a little bit more pace, and then he'd just be he'd probably be world absolutely world class, you know, already because he just sees things quicker than everybody else does. Not just. Um, you know, passing and his you know his, his passing percentage has been below eighty percent in every game because he tries he tries very quick, very aggressive passes and obviously they don't all come off and other people's brains don't work at the same pace his does, uh, which is another problem. But he's certainly you know a step up League One to Celtic. He'll, he he I think he'll he'll start to show some. Or he already has started to show some incredible numbers because he's playing with better players who who who, who will make runs and who will. Um, control the ball that, and we'll make and, and we'll see that the space that he's already seen and, and move into it. But it's not just that; it's he, he sees what you're going to do with the ball if he's defending you. So he, he sees which way your body shape is and which foot you're orientated to. Where you've got well, therefore you're going to go left, you're going to go right, and he gets a footed. He, there's no fuss about his tackling. He doesn't launch into people. He just nicks the ball and he just gets these little interceptions. Because I noticed that in his in his defensive data, it was quite low on duels. You know. But he has a high, high, high number of interceptions. That's another clue to the fact he just his brain just works quicker than every, virtually everyone else on the pitch, and, and that and that that is a hell of a gift, I tell you, because you know all the all the great players have got that. So if he can, you know, become stronger, fitter, perhaps a little bit more athletic, and then obviously experience. He's only a young, a young guy, but already his numbers in the two games. I, I, I've made him my. Boy, the match in, in both games he's played so far, just because that's what the data said to me. I wanted yeah. to give it to Abada on, on Saturday, but you know, guess what? <laughs> O'Reilly's numbers across the board were just fantastic. So, you know, looking forward to going back on this game, it'll be a, a scaled down because obviously, second half especially, didn't have a lot of the ball. But yeah, just that, that anticipation, that ability to see things that fraction of a second quicker than, than anyone else is, is his super strength. Yeah, he's, he's sort of like a mixture of. Tom Rogic and David Turnbull and somebody else in there as well. It's he's just it's well, so I, many I, I different. Joke, I joke that he, strings he to his bow. and it's more of a physical thing because he's got that slightly hunched, you know, bottom out. Uh, when he gets the ball, he's got that well balanced look, that, and he's already decided what he's going to do. That that sort of that, that to me just looks like he looks like Dalglish in that respect. I'm not comparing him to Kane Dalglish and saying he's going to be the same quality player. I'm just saying. He just looks like him, the way he moves and the way he uh, positions himself and the way he's ready and his body's open to, the, to that next uh, that next action. But yeah, I, I think he's uh, special. I Already like becoming first name on the team sheet for me, I'll be honest. 
Yeah, I, I genuinely, I, I can't see Tom Rajic coming straight into the team <clears throat> with the way Hatate and O'Reilly are playing. James, Cal McGregor came back into this as well. I suppose we, I say unexpectedly, but I think most Celtic fans would have expected him to play with a mask on. Um, I thought he was really good in a number of different ways. If you look at his heat map, he was literally everywhere. He was all over the place doing all different types of things. What change to the midfield did that make to what we've seen from Beaton, uh, for example, at the weekend? I, I think it's, um, now again, th- this comes back to what what drove decisions. So he, he makes us a lot more um, press resistant, I think. So just because of his movement and his ability on the ball, uh, not only to uh, move the ball on quickly, he's another guy, like Alan said with O'Reilly, that he seems to have that fairly quick decision-making gene. Um, so he, he, he doesn't um, you know, take time on the ball. He's very quick in moving it all along. And he's got the ability to, to beat somebody and, and carry the ball and, and break a press that way. So how, how much of uh, Rangers deciding hardly pressing at all until – I think I think I think I made a mental note of it at the time. I think it was the 37th minute before they actually exerted any kind of pressure on us whatsoever in the midfield. Um, so how much of it was because McGregor was in that role? I, you know, it's hard, you know, impossible to say. Um, I, I, I think he did what he does well. He, he just uh, he made the plays he needed to do defensively, broke up play a little bit when that was called for. Um and, and he moved the ball and distributed and linked up and his movement was really, really good. So nothing spectacular, but, you know, again, that's what we talk about in that position. It's, it's to facilitate the other players and, and connect uh, with, with the back two and, and with the fullbacks when they come in in this inverted role. And it just runs so smoothly when he's in there because of all of his strengths. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not comparing the level at all when it comes to this but i'm just drawing from things that i've learned i I once had a coach who would do a drill with this and it was just heads up football where you were punished if you dropped your head to look at the football while you were playing and it's an incredible thing when you try and do that it's you don't you're not even thinking about it and i think cal mcgregor's one of many players now celtic have in their team who play heads up football the entire game he has his head up. He's looking what the options are, three or four options. O'Reilly's another one. Hatate's another one. Juranovic is another per- player that does it. They never drop their head. They know exactly what their options are before the ball gets anywhere near to them. Um, and it's a real asset to have mm. when you're wanting to play the, the type of quick football that Celtic are playing. The all we, We've spoken about the individuals and the the sort of uh, the skills that they have brought to the game and, and brought to this game as well. But James, the system that Celtic played last night, it was, and the reason I mentioned the eyes of the world being watching is, like you said, the likes of Michael Cox, who's a really big writer for in, in Britain about tactics. And Celtic looked like a modern football team playing modern football that's well coached. And the system itself was so robust that I, it, once Celtic went ahead, I just didn't see them even conceding, never mind losing the game from the position. Right. So how much of this do you think was down to the individuals that we've named and gone through their their different uh, stats from last night? Or how much of this do you think is down to Ange and his system? And if you want to call it Ange, well, you can. Yeah, so I, uh, it depends on how you want to take this. Uh, as Alan said, there's the 55% uh, uh, achievement level that we've reached. And it I, I, conceptually, I agree with that, meaning that we, we, and we've talked about this really since the summer, which is, you know, at what point are we in the adoption of uh, supposed Ange ball and that this has been a process, not not a uh, not, not uh, you know, a specific t- point in time. Um, and I think yesterday was a, a display of the next step forward, um, given, you know, Juranovic at right back, Taylor at left back that midfield. Um, and I think what we didn't see yet, and again, this is the exciting, the exciting part to, to take this on the positive side is that there's still a lot more that can come here. When you get Kyogo back, when you get Maeda up top, that level of pressing, imagine Jota with those two up front, that front three, because uh, as, as brilliant as Abada has been in certain phases of play, 
it hasn't been really with pressing. It hasn't really been in, in, in build up play, that kind of thing. So when you have um, that next level of quote unquote, Ange ball defending from the front, uh, I think that will be the next leg that might even uh, take us to that next step. Now, I, I think there's also a little bit of out over our skis analytically, meaning that as, as a per human being, <laughs> we were due uh, some positive variants, right? As, as Alan and I have been talking about now, and particularly with these damn derbies for two, two seasons, it seemed like we were never getting any positive variants. Well, honestly, that phrase was in my head after the game. That, that, well, that's what you said, beating it into me. Right. So Hitate scored two goals on 0.07 total XG. Yeah. And, and one of them was a deflected shot. And one of them had a pretty significant keeper error involved. Uh, so that's not to take away from how great that was. And those were terrific uh, elite <clears throat> level uh, uh, shots from Hatate, but there's context to this analytically, right? So did, and Cox covered this in his article, right? It was funny. He's, he's you know, funny, like tongue in cheek, funny, uh, ironically funny. I mean, he's talking about how this pattern, these patterns of play and these runs are so great. And on like half of me goes, yeah, this didn't turn into anything. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm not right. I'm not, I'm not yeah. you know, I'm not uh, saying that verbatim, but you know, uh, uh, Joda wasn't hit on the, or Joda didn't re hit Taylor on the run or, you know, so there's room for improvement still yeah, yeah. for this to happen as, as these patterns of play get more ingrained, as we continue to adopt uh, a full level of, of personnel that are uh, shaped, you know, within the system to play the system. Um, so that's that's the positive side. The the negative side is I, I think that the the euphoria coming out about the uh, performance yesterday, which is justifiable and understandable, and I, I shared it uh, yesterday. And when I woke up and I kind of did my deep dive as I do with all these um, metrics and stuff, it was like it, it was really good, um, but I think it wasn't as good as everyone is kind of hysterically going on about. So, you know. It's a dual-edged sword, meaning that you know we probably got over our skis a little bit yesterday, but it's encouraging because I think there's a lot more that can come. Yeah, where and, we and to be fair, to be fair, it, it never is. To be fair, it never right. is present. Exactly. But, 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 exactly. But, what, but what it is, what it is, and I know you hit the nail on the head when you said this is a process, not a point in time. We're not going to reach a point in time where it's like ta da. Angeball 100% yeah. complete. It's, 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 a, it's an ever-evolving process because personnel will change and new people will come in and people will leave and so forth. But what, what yesterday does is it sets a benchmark. And James always talks about benchmarks, and rightly so. He's very thorough and, and a proper trained analyst, unlike you know, amateurs like me, right? So, But what does it? It sets a benchmark. And that benchmark was what we saw earlier in the season. It glimpsed, we glimpsed earlier in the season what we saw in, in the 6-0 wins we had you know five nil six nil wins we had at home you saw the possibilities you saw what could be done here and james said oh it was only st mary and it was dundee they're awful blah 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 right so we've we've seen in that 45 minutes doing that against you know the, the best team that scotland can throw at us right so that is an important benchmark okay that is that's that ticks that that's that that moves the needle in terms of progress if we if we perform like that and get a similar 3-0, 4-0 home win against a good European team, you've pushed the, you've pushed the dial forward another 5-10% as well. And it's, that, and it's those benchmarks we're looking for. Can you do it, not on a rainy night in Stoke, but can you do it against good opposition and then can you maintain it? So, you know, that, that that's why it's important. And, and I agree with what you're saying. You know, you look back and it's never as great as you, as you thought it was and the, and the bad bits were never as bad as you thought it was. And that's why why I look at so much data because, you you know, you, you never to be find the grey kind of areas but that 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 shows you what is possible because not every team can get that variance and take advantage of it right so once you've got that variance what can you do with it and they absolutely stuck the dagger in okay having got absolutely. the breaks yeah well well you, you raised benchmarking so i wouldn't be me unless i offered a benchmark <laughs> so um so i went back and i checked every derby that stats bomb has so these are league derbies so i don't have the the cup final um from december of 19 um but this goes back to the beginning of the 1819 season and i just looked at first halves just you know again these, these just an interesting exercise this is not you know scribed in uh, tablets handed down from the mountaintop 
Um, so it, it was the best XG differential for either side in a first half out of that sample, right? So that tells you the disparity. Um, having said that, right? So if you would, th- I went back and one of the closest ones it was actually the 12 29 19 game where it was uh, 1.14 to 0.29. So actually a little bit higher XG. Our XG in the first half uh, was 1.08 yesterday. So again, we're talking. That's too low, by the way. Yeah. No, it's not. Yeah, it's a, that's again, that's, this is the XG uh, uh, from StatsBomb. So again, it, it has to do with, so I'll give you an example. Instat had the game at 2.2. Uh, stats bomb had it at 1.17 and I think, uh, Y scout had it at one eight something. And the main difference is the accounting for the positioning of defenders. So, so for example, Greg Taylor's shot had two people right in front of him and a keeper. It was a block shot. Mm-hmm. I think like in stat probably had it closer to Y scout, which was like 0.4. So that's a 40% chance shot, which if you're not accounting for defenders where he was, of course, that's a high quality chance. So I, I don't want to get get too digressed, but um, the reason why I get into this, we always talk about fine margins, right? So, um, and and game state being something that's really difficult that we don't really have a grasp on analyzing, uh, uh, and we may never. I mean, there's probably going to be improved ways to do it, but um, you know, Hatate's first goal is on a, a deflected shot. And if Aribo's pass is a foot to the right, <laughs> Arfield has a one-on-one that he could have scored on, right? So they could be up one-nil, playing horribly <laughs> up until that point. And that the reason why I got into that is that Derby 12-29-19, that was the infamous uh, uh, bully bull and goalie Derby where he was never seen from again afterwards. Uh, that they won two-one, and it was, you know, they took their chances and we didn't, kind of thing even though we pretty much dominated them in the first half. Um, so, you know, it, it's, it, we're probably not going to get in a circumstance against a team of this level where we're going to blow their doors off to a degree where if, there, if something breaks this variant stuff that we always talk about, it can flip one way or the other and have a material impact on, on the game, particularly when it comes to sequencing. Um, so, you know, absolutely great performance, but even within that, we're we're too close in talent levels that there's not going to be, particularly if they make some adjustments. I mean, they were so bad yesterday. I mean, so moronic in how they set up and selected. That's my view. Um, it, it's it, they could be as bad theoretically, but I think it would be difficult for them to be worse than that. I think we'll get a lot better as we upgrade, but that's why I say it's going to be fascinating with how this evolves now. Um, and, and whether they do kind of spiral from here. Um, yeah, because if I was them, you know, they're, some of the stuff is fixable if they had stats bomb, for example, which they don't. Um, but you know, some of it it isn't by the way. No, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Some of it isn't. Yeah. Hmm. The best way that I could probably say this in layman's terms is that Celtic were due a performance like this and Rangers were Overdue. due a performance like theirs. Overdue. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, yeah. absolutely. But it, that's, that's, what's, that's what's brilliant about the performance is that it felt, and this is why I talk about momentum and how this, is, this could potentially be a sliding doors moment for the season, even though it is in literal terms with the, the switching of the, the leaderboard. But Celtic stepped up and performed to the level, the, the best performance that they have come up in, in a big game, they come up with when they needed to, and then Rangers crumbled. And I think that's very important when we talk about intangibles like mindset and like momentum and like the season switching focus onto Celtic by potentially being leaders. If Celtic can, can continue these performances, the... The momentum switch from this game could be huge. That's I, I just think the the fact that Celtic produced the performance they needed to produce when they needed to produce it, um, despite all the things going on with the injuries, the players missing, that could be huge from a, just a personal standpoint when it comes to the players and confidence and the things that they can draw from it. Absolutely. No, I agree with that. Um, 
what <laughs> pleased me um, j- almost as much as the first half was actually the second half. <laughs> That's going to sound strange. So let me explain. So the first half wasn't almost wasn't a surprise to me because we've seen, as I said, we've seen glimpses of this. We've seen Celtic go at teams. And we know that at the other end of the park, we're averaging nearly one XG against in every game. Um, and, and you'll look at the stats. And that, by the way, just as, as an aside, um, this game is a great example because in 10, 10 years' time, people will look at the stats for this game and go 3 0. My God, it was 11 shots to nine. And it was Celtic only had this low number of XG. And, and this is where, as, as James said, game state 100% explains that. You should almost have closed the book on the stats at half time because that told you the, the story of the game. Um, but the second half to me was very, very important because although Celtic, I don't even know if they had a shot, I can't remember them creating even much of a chance, they they, they, they made the decision to fall back, to to regroup, and almost, and, and I'm probably I'm getting well out my lane here, sort of getting into some of James's boxing analogies. It was almost the sort of Ali rope-a-dope, right? It was almost like, okay, I could waste all my energy chasing you around the ring, trying to batter your head. But what I'm actually going to do is just let you take your best shot and see if you can land one. And and it, and it was a bit like, and I'm going to overload on the Matrix matrix now, and my analogy is going to go all over the place. You know, when like the, the bad guy throws a punch and Nero sort of goes, <laughs> you know, writes an existential tract on that punch before the next one comes in. Because, you know, it was, a, it was almost like that. It was almost like, what what are you going to do to hurt us? You know, we know we've got you where we want you. Can you actually do anything to break us down? And I think what would be absolutely demoralizing for them isn't the first half, it's the second half. Because we let them have the ball. We we, we rested in defense. And it was wise because Hatati's essentially, this is pre-season for him. These are pre-season friendlies as far as that guy's concerned, right? You know, O'Reilly is getting there. He's adjusting to a much, much quicker uh, league. McGregor's had his face caved in. You know, um, Jota's come his first 90 minutes back off a long injury, hamstring as well. Giacomacus is trying to establish himself in the team. So off the front six, there's only really Abada, who's just about, just still a teenager nearly, um, who really are up to speed and fully like 100%. Right, so they so they so they, they were wise. We don't have a deep squad. We couldn't risk any more injuries. We've got some big games coming up, you know, and important games and tough physical games like Motherwell away. So, so we so so we 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 just said to them, right, come on then, give us give us your best shot. And the fact that that you know, when Ryan Jack hit the bar, I actually turned and said, go on, shoot, and he hit the bar, and so nearly hubris on me. So fair enough, <laughs> but. <laughs> but then I think it, I literally I think it was like a minute to go when a ball came into the box and I think it was Goldson had stayed up for a corner and he had a decent chance with a header and he put it over the bar and that was literally literally the only chance they created throughout the whole game. So to me, that that aspect, um, that aspect of we've given them the ball, we've said to them take your best shot at us, and they've failed miserably is the most demoralising aspect for them, even more than the first half. Yeah, I thought James McCarthy was quite good when he came on. He made a couple of good interceptions at the time. And I mean, that's what he's there for. That's his job when he's off the bench. And genuinely, I know we sort of criticized the performance at the time. If that's what he's used for, he's a good player to have at your disposal. A Premier League experience to come off the bench and be a breaker-upper and not expect them to do anything else for the final 30 minutes of a big game that you need to see out. It is a good sort of aspect to to have in your team when, especially when you've got you haven't really got that between Kyogo or between Hatate and O'Reilly and Rogic and Turnbull and McGregor. McCarthy is a completely different animal. So if you can bring him on for the final thirty minutes, I don't see what what the harm is having him at all, James. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you're going to use him, that's the role to use him in. Um, I suspect. He'll be uh, behind Biton and Itaguchi in that role um, as everyone gets back fit and firing. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, that's that's the kind of situation you're going to, you know, we almost uh, seem to go more of a dual pivot uh, than when Soro came in. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that's uh, that's the way to use them if you're going to. 
I'm less emphatic about the the idea than you, but that's fine. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I've said you know he, he looks to me like he's a special. Well, you know, to use the American uh, sports jargon, he's a special, special teams, teams player. I'm converting and, and, you and, American uh, sports <laughs> terms in boxing. My my goodness, Alan, this is horrible. I, I, I do try and keep learning. You know, even <laughs> even at my age, I do try and stuff. Yeah, you know. and and bit on. I'd, I'd almost have bit on in that in that role as a special teams player. If you need someone to come on. Um, and, and perhaps a bit of variety in passing and so forth, or in, just bulk up with a bit of height as well. You know, I think both of those players can offer very different things as special. Because what I'm excited about is if we get Turnbull, Rogic uh, back, is you could almost be, you could almost have, um, you know, O'Reilly at, at six, or even Hatati at six, and Turnbull and Rogic in front of them, and, and just kind of mix it up a bit, because I don't think it really matters, actually. I think the movement in, uh, is so intelligent that it'll work out. Yeah, especially yeah. against uh, kind of bottom half teams that are going to bunker. Absolutely, yeah. Hmm. If you want to just keep possession, yeah, there's no reason why you couldn't have a, a midfield three of that. Before we finish up, uh, special mention for Jackamacus. I thought he really impressed. Not not in the sense of you know he was a ten out of ten performer, but I I don't know what it what it seemed like being at the game, Jim or Alan. But uh, he seems to be everywhere. He seemed to work his balls off. He got in good positions. Unlucky not to score. Really, really unlucky in the first yeah. half, to be honest. And he is what you want from a big man up front. He's strong. He's brave. He throws himself about. He gets stuck into the defenders. And I, I, I do think Rangers were actually quite scared of him. There were a couple of times when uh, Goldson was doubling up on him with the, the fullback, whichever side he picked up. Yeah, I mean, he's he's well short of his kind of 900-minute benchmark um, for absolute sort of conclusions, but I'm kind of reconciled to the fact he's going to essentially give you two things. <laughs> he's, he's, he's got he's got a special skills, and, and, and he's got two of them, right? If can you I, can I guess of, what one of them is? Go on. The run across the six-yard box. The, yeah, if you get the ball to him, that run across the six-yard box, and you get the ball to him, and he doesn't have to take a touch, and he doesn't have to think about what he's doing, he's going to score some great, great goals. And I think he'll he, enough to get a dozen a season, based on the type of chances, the number of chances that a team like Celtic create. And then his other great super strength is just, just I think, as I say, I, I keep using the Gordon Strachan phrase, he's just a right good teammate. He just works his socks off for the team. You know, he covers he covers the ground, he tracks back. He, he, you know, he, he never hides. He puts a shift in. He battles, and I think you know. And he's just a pest. He's just a pain in the neck. You know. Um, so I think I think those are the two two things he brings. I don't think he's going to bring anything else to the, to the table. Frankly, it's going to be those two things. Really. James, your thoughts? Yeah. Again, it comes back to system, which is if you have people that are smart and hardworking and willing to follow a smart, hardworking manager's instructions and work the system that makes things really difficult for the opposition. And I think, you know, what we've seen from Jackamacus is he's playing his role within the system the way he can with what he has and doing a good job within that context, but he's not Kyoko. He's not, you know, Maeda and that's no, no harm to him. Uh, you know, we all have our limitations. <laughs> I'm not either. Uh, so, you know, I, I think he, he contributed what he could in, in the context of the system yesterday. And in fairness, uh, you know, McGregor, who had a bad game overall, that was his one good save was off of the the, the cutback cross from, uh, I think it was Abada, um, that that set up Jackamacus for what Alan said. He didn't have to think about it. He just had a really good uh, strike of the ball and put it in a good spot. And, you know, McGregor made it, made a good save on it. Hmm. Yeah. Not much you can do when the keeper does pull off a couple of saves as well. If you, you've done your best to try to get on it before we finish up, anything else you just want to bring up on the Derby before we move along to mundaneness of weekend games against Motherwell and the legs? Well, as I was on the train and did my research, right, because I was on the train for bloody hours, I do want to use this because I've bloody... I'm, I'm, I'm looking, sorry, I'm looking down on my phone because this is in notes on my phone. So, like, right? I do want to talk about it. So I, I wrote beforehand about, and I've talked about this a lot, about their, you know, the ability... The, the lack last year of Celtic putting them under any pressure and how easy and 
it was for them. And, 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 I'd, and I'd keep banging on about this, not, not, not out of hubris, because it's, it's, it's actually, these are quotes from Rangers players, right? This is, I'm just, all I'm doing is telling you, reporting what, what was being said. So this is Tavernier, right? This is Tavernier after they lost to Hamilton, when they collapsed. They were, you know, 2019-20 season. They beat Celtic in the New Year game, and they were two points behind with a game in hand, right? So it was absolutely game on. And then they just crumbled. Okay, and, and Tavernier said, whenever anybody puts us under a bit of pressure in Scotland or gets in our face, it seems to affect us too much. That's the captain. That's the captain saying, when they're put under pressure or people get in their face, it seems to affect them too much. Okay. And then, and then, and then you know, as we know, last year was a procession. Celtic were a joke. They, they rightly won the league. Um, they were never at any point under any pressure at all from their own fans, from any fans, from, from any team for that matter. And then we come roll over to this season. It's, it's the same group of players, right? There's been one or two changes, but it's essentially the same group of players. And you know, after more, more, more about poor performances than poor results. I think this was after the home game against Aberdeen, but I might be wrong. This is Goldson. Goldson's the leader of the defence. He's the vice captain of the team. Okay, he's their best defender. And this is, I think, after Gerard was leaving. So Van Bronckhorst was in the stand, new manager to impress. We know the new manager was there and he would hope the players would want to impress him. But after that performance, we need a change. We need a spark. I don't want to say this, but I feel we've lost a bit of hunger. We've lost a bit of hunger. All of a sudden, we're champions and don't need to work as hard. That's wrong. I felt that's crept in all season. We've not been good enough for the whole of the season and hopefully a new manager can come in. And give us a spark, and he did. He did for a few games. So you know, they they crumble under pressure. This, I'm not. This is not me being a critical Celtic fan. This is this is this is quotes from senior people in the dressing room. Okay, what did the manager say after last night? He said, "Very disappointing. It seemed like it was the first old firm we played." Which, to be fair, he's right. It would, if it had been an old firm game, it would have been the first old firm that we played. But anyway, moving on. We know what we have to do. The environment we go into and the pressure we get, but it seemed like we weren't ready for it. We weren't ready for it. You see the way we gave the goals away. It's sharpness. Sharpness, my, my words now, sharpness tends to disappear under pressure. I can't say otherwise. Not going with your man, not being ready for the battles. It was unbelievable. Okay. Now, that, that isn't going to get any better when you've got four key players that don't want to be there. And you saw it with Barisic, Morelos. I know, I don't know if you know, Morelos wasn't on the pitch, right? Kent. Kent's numbers this year in the SPFL are, are, are worse. He, he might as well be playing for Livingston in terms of his actual attacking uh, X, XA and XA, XG sorry, um, stats. And then, and, then, and then good old Goldston, who's lost his hunger. Um, these are these are these are these are this again. I I saw this. We saw this in, with Celtic last season, right? And that's why that's, it's from that perspective I'm speaking about. I'm not throwing mud here. These are their own their own people's words. I'm telling you this. We saw this with Celtic, right? We saw Ayer, Edward, Christie, and Cham. Okay, you can't say they weren't trying. You can't say. That they, that they didn't go out and, and didn't do a professional job. But when the pressure's on and you're absolutely up against it and you're in a place like you were last night, are you really going to give absolutely everything when you don't want to be there and your heart's not in it? And we know we know from last year, our own players, that, 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 that they don't. And, and these, these guys are no different. They're human beings. They go through, they're probably feeling much of the same thing. That's their biggest issue. They might put round pegs and round holes to James's point. They might put Sakalau on the wing rather than the kid who maybe they have to play contractually. Who knows? Um, but the, you're not going to fix that. Did you give the team talk last night, Alan? <laughs> Ready to walk through a brick wall for you there. Um, yeah, big time. And, and th that's one of those things as well. <clears throat> if you look at it from a Celtic perspective, I really felt the players stepped up last night. I really felt that was a that was a marker from them. They they had something to prove, and I sort of tweeted it from the breakdown Twitter account. 
the jer- it's that famous Jockstein quote, and it you know sometimes these cliches can come into it, and you don't want to get into like the fandom of everything. But that that quote where the jerseys do not shrink for inferior players, we saw that last year. They didn't shrink for players that didn't want to be there, and I really, really felt last night was a performance. And maybe I was getting too overly emotional about it, but I really felt that was a performance that the players showed that they belonged in the Celtic jersey. Yeah, I mean, what you you, you saw, what I think you saw last night is an intersection of a team that is becoming coherent under a new manager, and but still has a long way to go. By the way, the potential is frightening here, and I mean that in, in a really positive way. With a team who you know is 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 on its way in terms of decline because. The players have been through their cycle with the club, whatever whatever the reasons are, and 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 they've, they've gone from having a very well coached, well drilled, organised system in, in, into one that's less so. And we saw that that that, that almost the, the ships passed in the night last night and going in different directions. And I think that's probably where the the optimism comes. Not the fact that it was three 0 not the fact there was lots of uh, fun to be had. It's 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 the realization that that. Those, those intersections uh, that they may be moving in opposite directions far quicker than we perhaps realized. Final word to you, James. I I, I think that's the more likely scenario. I do. Um, I just I I'd like to see them not do well against Hearts on the weekend. That would that would be the that's the next kind of because that that's walking into you know if I, if everything that Alan just said and I think it's reasonable to think that that scenario is 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 could unfold or is unfolding in fact um we should see things not improve materially <laughs> this weekend um for and again it won't have to do with the result it will have to be how they play you know what are the guys body language even you know, some of this qualitative stuff um because again it, it looked to me and is this to with, with alan's quote uh from their manager after the game um it looked to me like not only players that maybe not didn't want to be there, but again, an echoing of our season last season players going, what the F are we doing? Like there's not a plan here or. Yeah. There, there, you know, there was a lot, there was a lot, there was a lot of on-field conversations. Let's put it that way. That were yeah. Happening. We don't, we don't get the plan. We don't, you know, cause if it was as simple as someone just marking a guy one B one, that didn't look like what was going on in. That's why I called it the Frankenstein. It looked like a bunch of confusion and a lot of people pointing figures at other people. Um, so long may it continue. <laughs> uh, I hope that everything that Alan laid out is absolutely 100% going to be. I, I, I'm, I'm excited at the poss- possibility of uh, Beningamy and that wee rat Devlin snapping away Aaron Ramsey's precious ankles. <laughs> that fills me with <laughs> quite some optimism. That's that's an angle I hadn't <laughs> thought of. Yeah, that's great. Bit, I mean, mm. I mean, I mean blood, blood, ports, blood sports should be banned in my view, but that would be one that I think would be worth paying to see. <laughs> Yeah, well, as they say, sometimes in football, the character of a team isn't judged by the hammering. It's judged by the performances after the hammering. And I remember Southampton got beat 9-0 by Manchester City a couple of seasons ago or last season. And they went on a run. Sorry. Was it Leicester? It was Leicester. Yeah. yeah. But they also got beat 9-0. By Man City a couple of seasons ago as well. Oh, okay, it was two under Hasenhüttl. They've been been beaten nine 0 twice. Yeah, your your, and, gran, your uh, grandma could play in that league. Yeah, either either one of them. Uh, they went on a run of like fourteen games where they didn't lose again. So I mean that that's that's what uh, it's all about the bounce back ability and and yeah. whether they can. Agreed. Uh, they'll either crumble or they'll thrive, and hopefully it's in this yeah, case for t- Rangers t- timeline. Timeline for them, I think they're comparable going into the weekend like we were coming out of the first Derby loss last season. I mean, that we went into Europe right after that and fell apart, meltdown. I was going to say, and when's the next? When's the European games? How, how soon is that? Is that like weeks. next week? Two weeks. Uh, two weeks, I think. Yeah, middle. So of you know, you got Hearts. If, 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 you've got you've got the possibility for a bad run of results here. Yep. Yep. Let's hope so. Let's hope so. <laughs> That was episode 73 of the Huddle Breakdown. I might keep tabs on how many episodes now we get in while Celtic are still top. So that was the <laughs> first episode of Celtic ever being on top while the Huddle Breakdown I, I, I hope was I'll going. lost the rest of my hair by the time we're in that position. <laughs> yeah. let's, hope, let's hope we get another 73. That's all I want is uh, 73 episodes of the Huddle Breakdown while Celtic are on top of the table. 
my thanks to everyone who has commented and watched live on the YouTube channel. If you want to get more of these videos, just hit the subscribe button below and you get notified every time this and other videos go live on the channel. And you can get the podcast on Spotify, iTunes, and the usual places as well. Alan James, this was a pleasure. The happiest podcast I think we've ever recorded. <laughs> it was. It was. Thanks, guys. Thank, yeah, thank you both. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and protecting. Potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.